I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell. It is great to have you. It is July 27th, and I have a fantastic show for you this week. Yet another week. And I have to say, if you hung in for last week's throughout the whole episode, if you could, I, I guess I should say, if you could get past me screaming at the intro, uh, congratulations, you had a wonderful, wonderful episode. If you died like off the nine cents boat into the ocean because you couldn't hand my handle my screaming and yelling i understand but fear not it will not happen this week <laughs> i have to pace my i have to keep telling myself people don't like hearing you scream about shit they're <laughs> like i make sure that the volume levels are all you know they don't cap out past a certain point but it's still jarring when you hear it. And my wife, actually, she listens to the podcast every week after I've recorded it. And uh, she says she she hates it. She always turns down the volume because she feels like I'm yelling at her rather than about something while she's listening. And so she takes kind of a bit of offense to it. So in the interest of not alienating anyone, let alone my wife, I'm going to do my damnedest to, to uh, refrain from the screaming constantly. I think you'll appreciate it. All right, so for this past week, my son has been at his grandparents hanging out. And this has been really really hard for me. I I'm a crazy insane parent in that I love my children <laughs> like a lot, and I hate it when they're gone for extended periods of time. You know, I just I don't they don't get homesick by any means, but I get tired. I mean, tired. I miss them. You know, I, I want to hang out with them. I want to go hiking or, you know, be in the yard or, you know, something. I just want to hang out with them. I love them. Um, and so it's really tough. Like just the first freaking day we drop them off and we come back and I'm like, oh damn, this is what my son would be doing right now. Or this is, you know, <laughs> it's rough. It's rough. But it did put me in a interesting position. So Utah around this time on the 24th, uh, celebrates its uh, uh, sort of pioneer day is what we call it here. So it's sort of days of 47. It's one of the oldest parades in uh, the nation, actually, and it's a celebration of the Utah heritage, which, you know, if you're a religious person in that religious affiliation, i.e. Mormons, that's wonderful. For everyone else, it's just entertaining. You know, it's it's another reason to celebrate light of fireworks, which is kind of, you know, the the thing you do. You go to the parade and then you light off fireworks and that's that's kind of it and there's a carnival in town that came in so i planned on because my son was off uh with his grandparents my wife had to work because it's a state holiday not everyone lets you off work and i kind of do whatever i want at work and so i took the day off um so it was just me and my daughter so i, I missed my son but i got to hang out one-on-one daddy-daughter date which was amazing. I mean, it was really, really nice. So we went up to, well, up. We went to downtown Salt Lake, watched the parade for about an hour, then she got bored of it. Let's <laughs> be fair, these parades are not that entertaining, to be quite honest. Um, so we did that, and nothing eventful happened. Like, usually there's some craziness that I witnessed, but it was pretty uh, subdued this year. And then on the way back, there's this really fantastic donut shop that only opens for the morning, and as soon as they sell out, they shut their doors. Well, they were still open by the time we got there in the morning. Um, and so we stopped in, we got some donuts, and you know, I got back in the car, and we were gonna go home and get a tall glass of milk and have a donut or two, <laughs> for me, because <laughs> I'm a donut pig, uh, and just sort of hang out, you know, just talk, listen to music and stuff. Um, and she was buckling herself into her uh, booster seat and she looked up and she's like, dad, I was like, yeah, she's all, I love you. I was like, oh, thank you, honey. I love you too. She's like, I love you so much. It makes me want to cry. <laughs> I, I don't know where she got it. 
I'm tearing up now thinking about it. I don't know where she got it. I don't know where she heard it. I don't know why she said it, but it was probably the best thing that she could ever have said to me at that moment uh, during that day. Uh, my wife would tell me later that she would, all week she's been saying, oh, I miss my brother, I miss my brother. Uh, the night before she told my wife, I'm glad Gabriel's gone uh, be, and I'm glad you have to work tomorrow because I get to spend the day with my daddy. And it's, God, it just feels so good, you know? I mean, there's, <laughs> let me let me level it. For, for those of you who aren't parents, it's really hard. It is the hardest thing you could possibly do as a human being. That is, if you care, it's really hard. If you don't care, it doesn't matter. They're just going to do whatever they want, run around like monkeys or something. But if you care about your kids, it is probably the hardest job that you will ever have to do as a human being. Um, but little moments like this, little moments really make it so worthwhile. And because of that, my son being gone for a week was okay because my daughter picked up the slack times 10 and it was, it was just fantastic. And you know, you're doing something good when your kids respond like that, you know, rather than stop dragging me around to these parades and these donut places and we capped out the entire evening going to this uh, local carnival that sets up in, in our city this time of year, obviously for the, the festivities, and just spending the evening at the carnival, you know, riding rides together, you know, obviously the wife was with us at that point, um, and just having a good time. It was it was a, an amazingly wonderful day, and it, it was just fantastic. I thought I should share that with you because you hear me scream and rant and rave a lot. I don't know that you hear me... Uh, <laughs> going into what is great that I, you know, happens in life. And, and little things like this, they're really great. Now, obviously, it took effort. It wasn't just I looked over and then she said, I love you. You know, it, it was I had to plan out this day. And so, you know, as with anything in life, you have to put in a little effort, people. If you're a parent, you got to put in a lot of fucking effort, people. But it pays off and it is wonderful. And I'm sure it's going to be a memory that she's going to carry with her and hopefully will inform her later relationships as in this is how a gentleman should treat uh, me which is nice and not beat me and not you know talk down to me and and be negative or physical or you know just uh, whenever you're a father you always have to think how are how is my behavior going to inform what they expect son or daughter or how they act later on in life and with women, very much, with girls, they look to their father for uh, someone to, you know, connect with. And the, if uh, either if they get it from you or they don't get it from you, but they'll move on into further relationships later in life. And they're going to pull from that bag of traits that you showed them uh, and use that as a guide to pick out gentlemen to attract. So if you're abusive to your kids then they look for abusive relationships. If you're good to your kids and you teach them responsibility and you teach them independence, then they they don't necessarily need someone else. But if they look for someone else, it's going to be someone that supports them rather than someone that tears them down. And it's hard as a parent going into it day to day in every interaction that you have, which is, you know, you, you countless, um, how is this going to help or how is this going to hurt? And I don't think you should really go into it like that. But every once in a while, you know, think if, if you're going to plan a day or you're going to plan an outing or a holiday or, or something, um, you know, think about those moments that you can have with your child or your children, what they're going to learn from you. And, and you're just take a second to rethink about what you're doing while you're doing it, because it, it is hugely important and I'm, I'm hoping that everything I do for my daughter ends up meaning that she will be uh, really just a powerful, powerful woman. And that's sort of the goal. But little days like this, just let you know you're on the right track. It's really, really nice. Um, you know, if you guys ever have little moments like this, you, you connect with me and you reach out to me after these episodes as they're released... And you let me know what you liked about the episode. You let me know what you don't like about the episode, what you connected with individually or how you listen and stuff like that. Well, let me know. You know, little tricks of the trade of parenting, as it were. Uh, anything that you 
you know, find that I, I say of interest that, that interests you or that you disagree with or that you do differently or that maybe just an experience you had that you thought was relevant, let me know. Maybe we can do something with those uh, if you send them in. Um, but yeah, if you do send them in, either give my phone number a call, 801-899-6168. Uh, it's a Google Voice account. No one is going to pick up. Just leave your message. Uh, or you can text it, actually, and then I'll, I'll get the text. Uh, or you can email info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know of your uh, connection, your, your positive connections with your children. And if you don't have any because you're a shitty parent, uh, look at yourself in the mirror and, and fix the deficiencies that are causing that. It's important. Um, all right, so an, another <laughs> another thing that happened, uh, I got retested for my allergies, which uh, help uh, incite my asthma. Um, got retested, which was a really, really interesting experience for me. Anyway, it's probably going to be really boring for you <laughs> if you don't want to hear it. Fast forward. Uh, it'll probably be like an hour and a half. I'll try to distill it to a good 40 minutes. <laughs> I joke. So I went in to the allergist and they have to do a scratch test, which essentially means they have like uh, little tubes with little needles in it that have uh, some form of allergen on the end of the needle and they just sort of jab it into your back, you know, at these sort of blocks into your back. Um, and I'm always a little hesitant whenever I go and take off my shirt in a public place because I have a sigil of baphomet. I have that seal from the, the wonderful uh, fantasy novel of Necronomicon on my back. Um, and whenever it comes to something that I am at the mercy of the other individual, i.e. a doctor visit, uh, I'm at the mercy of their uh, opinions, then I always want to be as non-threatening as possible or non-aggressive or non-forward as possible. Uh, just sort of ease it so they feel comfortable, they're comfortable with me, they tell me the truth and don't look and apply biases to whatever they have to say. So when you're faced with a really wonderful rendition, um, there's actually a cover-up by Storm of Art and Your Studios, Warlock Storm, um, another one on me that he did. Uh, it's this really wonderful color um, sigil of Baphomet. I always am a little bit concerned about how people are going to take it, to be quite honest. Uh, I got it for me, so I, you know it's it's not like I wish it was gone or anything. I'm I'm proud of it. I think it's wonderful. But yeah, you know, whenever you're at the mercy of someone, you can just never know how they're going to react. So this uh, young lady um, was a heavy set. I don't know. Maybe she was uh, Polynesian or or some islander um, ethnicity. It really has no bearing. I'm just telling you for some reason. Um, in the interest of detail, I suppose. And uh, she asked me to take my shirt off, and so I take my shirt off, and I lay down, and she sort of instantly gets quiet. Now, that could be obviously because she's focusing, but I don't know how much you need to focus when you're chatty Miss Chatterson 10 seconds earlier, and then you look at my back, and you're suddenly quiet. So I'm trying to, you know, uh, bring up conversation and, you know, make make her feel at ease, basically. Um, I finished the process. You have to sit there and wait for your skin to get crazy agitated, <laughs> you know, to get reacting to uh, the the little pin needles that they put in your back. And at this point, I'm crawling out of my skin. It was so horrible. Um, and then this uh, young lady enters again with two other women. And uh, it may have been because, and this just harkens back to my vasectomy, man. I feel like, I feel like they pull in extra help, not to help, but to sort of gawk at whatever it is, you know. Um, and so she comes in and she's like, okay, lay on your stomach again. And there's two other women in there. So seemingly they're helping her sort of analyze these rashes on my back. But do, do you, like the first time it happened, it was only one person. And this was like, I don't know, four or five years ago. Uh, so this time I kind of feel like it was because there was something on my back and they just didn't believe her or she just wanted to sort of say, guess what this guy, you know, this patient has on his back. Come check it out. Just act like you're helping me. Uh, so I kind of felt like a bug in a, in a glass bottle or something. It was, it was a weird, weird moment. Um, and then there's this really awkward, awkwardness, uh, that ensued when, uh, she was like, uh, can you put your arm down to the side? And then she started like rubbing up against me. So basically I'm on a table in front of her laying on my stomach and my back is, is just right there. You know, I mean, you don't have to reach 
but she was like pushing up on me and like the other girls were like hovering over and it, it I felt like I was abducted by women and they were experimenting on me like that was and you know and on some measure in some measure it, I was like hey all right <laughs> it's always nice when girls rub up against you no matter the situation but on the other hand I was just like ah oh, fuck why are they doing this why can't I just get over this you know itchy uh, uncomfortable moment and it's just taking so much longer because they are taking so long to examine these, um, I can't remember what they called them, but just, you know, rashed bumps that they put on my back. It was really, really weird. I get this whenever I go to the dentist too, like whenever there's a girl. And I'm sure, I'm positive, it's just because they're leaning in to do their job. But, you know, they, when they just rub up against you, it's not just like bumping, it's like... <laughs> It's like rubbing up against you. Like, I don't know how you can confuse that or how you could, like, you can easily look in someone's mouth and work on it without rubbing your tits on them. I, I think, <laughs> I don't know, guys, let me know. Am I like way off base and just looking into things too much? Uh, or does this happen to you too? And it's just like a common occurrence for everyone. I always like to think that I'm special in some way because I'm a Satanist. That's kind of my game, but uh, it could just be par for the course. I don't know. All right. Well, anyway, we're going to start off this episode with Militant Adorado. <laughs> I haven't even had a drink at all. It's just so humid and hot, Un completely out of character, humid and hot today that I am just... <laughs> it's hard just to speak because I just want to melt in the seat right now because I just got it in from outside we put up this uh they they now call it poultry fence oh here's something interesting i'm gonna bring up so w growing up i always thought it was called chicken wire like you put around either a chicken's coop or a chicken run or something you don't want the chickens to get into it's called chicken wire so i go to home depot and it's called poultry wiring is it possible let me know if i'm off base here. Is it possible that we of society have gone so out of whack with <laughs> with our political correctness that we apply it to foul too? Is that possible? Like, is it? Because I'm thinking that they, someone in Home Depot was like, you know, we could call it chicken wire, but that's a little offensive to the chickens. Maybe we could just call it poultry because we don't know if it's a chicken or if it's some other poultry-like bird. We don't want to offend the non-chickens, so we should just, you know, and then what if you don't, what if it's goose that you have that you need to fence in? Do you reach for the chicken wire, or do you think that's just for chickens, so you go for a different type of wire? Like, what kind of idiot would not know, so what? Okay, I'm not going to yell. <laughs> Count to ten. <laughs> I'm not going to yell. But it is absurd, right? Like, they would call it poultry wire or fencing and not chicken wire anyway i just thought that was interesting <laughs> craziness um so i was out there with my wife putting the fence in to keep them out of the garden because that's become a daily hassle of trying to chase them out of the damn garden on the weekends um and so yeah that's part of why i'm super crazy hot and sweaty and gross and just sitting here melting in my seat uh <laughs> you're welcome for that image um Anyway, Militant Eroticism, <laughs> Den Arden, uh, delivers a really fantastic episode in episode 14. And in the Infernal Informant, we got two articles here. We, I have two articles here. One was sent in by a listener. Thank you very much. Friends have closer DNA than strangers, scientists find. This kind of ties into uh, the uh, old LeVay personality synthesizer a bit here. We'll talk about that. And study anal throat cancers on rise among young adults. This is just a bit of a PSA. I'm going to go over and talk to you about it. And the creature feature, I just thought it would be a little bit fun to kind of give you... I've talked about satanic movies in the past. I have the Nine Cents Presents Satanists on Satanic Cinema series out there, which is not fully dead yet. I'm still kind of working things out on it. Um, but uh, I'm going to kind of give you a rundown of what I consider my favorite devil or evil inspired movie and why uh kind of now i i shift through my favorites and so you know this isn't my favorite satanic movie just my favorite devil or satan centric movie uh and it is different so i, I hope you tune in and and, and dig it uh, like i dig these movies 
And that's going to do it for the show. So how about we dive in with a little militant eroticism starting us off right, and then after directly we'll dive into Infernal Informant. See you there. The top hated and the low-browed. With the scarlet passion and valid gospel, I say to you, Thou in sick style will moat altars. Be not of love, but of lust. And to one of bellies full, ears of bellies full. Expand your genital rebellion to vindicate the shrew. Let thy brothel be revelation. Then thy moans are divine wisdom. Salvation in the whole's religion. Our dogma is their kink. With legs spread, with flesh mounted, we point out to our accusers a slut alone is no slut at all. This I say to you, my fellow eroticists, my hands on borders. It doesn't matter who bends over. In the end, we are all degraded. Welcome to Militant Eroticism. I am Aden Arden. To say you don't have a type is to tell me you're just a tad slutty. It means there is nothing in particular that you like or dislike. It is almost like saying I love everybody or I respect everyone. What an insult to those people you say you're attracted to. But I think people fail to understand what a type is. This isn't a strict be-all and end-all person. This is more of an amalgamation of qualities that can make an ideal. And ideals, as we know, do not exist. They are standards, impossible or far-reaching, that are there to strive for. Applying your ideal or your list of qualities to actual human beings in reality, you will find many different people who have many things in common. We can then say that there is a hierarchical quality to one's type. When a person says that they like blondes, that also are physically fit and have a good sense of humor or that they're witty, I guarantee you they will be more attracted to one quality over another, meaning they can forgive the the fact that they're not blonde because they're witty. This ties into things that I mentioned in value compatibility and sexual compatibility. Think of this as Maslow's hierarchy of needs applied to fucking. I also find that when you ask someone what their type is and they say they don't have one, it can also be a very polite way to say, well, it just isn't you. But let's get to the theme of this. What is your type? Are you aware of what your type is? You can always go with the more instinctual response. You see them, you're attracted, and you act. But I've said in many of these episodes, I think it is incredibly important to be consciously aware of the things that you like. It's akin to knowing yourself, thereby better equipped to know others. I think it is a magical exercise to draw your ideal, or better yet, all the people you've been incredibly, keyword, incredibly attracted to. Look at what things you exaggerate. This method is often used in child's therapy. Easiest way, instead of drawing, is to line up photos of all those you know who you're attracted to and notice what they have in common. And I do mean everyday people, don't use celebs, because those photos aren't actualities. LaVey suggested something akin to this in The Satanic Witch, leaving a book or magazine around and seeing what your victim stares at the most. And when I laid out photos of men I had a sexual romantic relationship with, I noticed a few things similar about them. They were all more social, more upfront emotionally, or, you know, nurturing. I noticed they were often thicker, broad-shouldered, barrel-chested, rugged, uh, creative visually, and very skilled with it. Once I noticed this, I became more hyper-aware of what turned me on and found a greater appreciation for it. I found it easier to look up at a guy and say, Fuck, I love when when your chest flexes after you come. (laughs) Becoming aware of the qualities you admire physically or personality-wise, it helps select the hunting ground better, too. You like women who are more fit? Probably says something about their lifestyle. 
You tend to go for men who are very dominant, aggressive, alpha. I wonder what activities those guys' personality traits, those guys with those personality traits would engage in. Become hyper-aware of yourself. Know what you like and what you're looking for. When I'm on a date with a guy or just chatting with him, it is quite hard to carry on a conversation when he, in order to appear eclectic, will keep saying, I don't really have a type. Or, you know, I like a lot. Or, I like a little of everything. Variety may be the spice of life, but variety does not equate to a lack of specifics. It means more than one. You want to be eclectic in your taste or whatever. You already are. So tell me what that is. But until next time, fellow eroticists, keep your skirts up, your pants down, and no matter who bends over, just let it be someone you want. Uh, in front of the foreman. This is from the telegraph.co.uk. Friends have closer DNA than strangers scientists find. And this was submitted by a listener. Thank you so much. I think this is a wonderful article. So let's go ahead and dive in. This is by Sarah Napton, science correspondent. Blood is supposed to be thicker than water, but a new study suggests that friends are as genetically close to us as members of our own family. Researchers who compared the DNA of unrelated friends were intrigued to find that they had the same genetic similarity as fourth cousins, or people who share great-great-great-grandparents. The find remained even after controlling for ethnic, cultural, and geographical bias. Quote, we are somehow among a myriad of possibilities, managing to select as friends the people who resemble our kin, end quote, says Nicholas Christakis, professor of sociology, uh, evolutionary biology, and medicine at Yale. The researchers looked at 1.5 million markers of gene variation and found that friends are most similar in genes affecting the sense of smell and least compatible in genes controlling the immune system. Recent studies have found that people appear to choose partners based on differences in immunity. That's weird. (laughs) I added that's weird part. Uh, It has been suggested that forming social groups with others who are able to withstand different pathogens reduces the spread of disease and increases the chances of survival. Uh, That's crazy interesting. Uh, Quote, looking across the whole genome, we find that on average, we are genetically similar to our friends. End quote, says co-author James Fowler, professor of medical genetics at University of California. We have more DNA in common with the people we pick as friends than we do with strangers in the same population. Uh, End quote. The academics believe that choosing friends who are genetically similar may convey evolutionary advantages. The first mutant to speak needed someone else to speak too, added Professor Fowler. The ability is useless if there's no one who shares it. However, the mechanism for selecting friends or a mate based on genetic traits remains a mystery. Previous research has suggested the pheromones in sweat carry important clues to genetic cap- uh, compatibility and are important to attraction. Seeing the satanic connection here yet? There are fears that modern medicines like the pill dampen down this natural selection process. The so-called smelly t-shirt experiment, first performed by Swiss zoologist Klaus Vedkin in 1994, found that women preferred the sweat of men who had immune systems the least like their own. Opposites attract, in other words. But Professor Dan Davis of the University of Manchester, who recently published the compatibility gene, said attempts to repeat the experiment had shown mixed results. It is fascinating that there seems to be some underlying biological, uh, I'm sorry, biology going on. But this area is very controversial, and the evidence of this in humans is still extremely weak. It is certainly feasible. The genetics is driving some kind of selection behavior. We see in animals, but in humans, there are so many other factors to consider that the findings have been inconclusive. Professor Fowler believes that there may be a simpler explanation as to how people with similar genes meet and form relationships or friendships. People who like the scent of coffee, for example, may hang out at cafes more and so meet and befriend each other. 
The researchers focused on 1,932 subjects and compared pairs of unrelated friends against pairs of unrelated strangers. They found that the genes that were more similar between friends seemed to be evolving faster than the other genes. Professor Fowler and Christakis say that this may help to explain why human evolution appears to have speeded up over the last 30,000 years, and they suggest that the social environment itself is an evolutionary force. It seems that our fitness depends not only on our own genetic constitutions, but also on the genetic constitution of our friends, added Professor Christakis. The team even developed a friendship score, which rates how likely two people will be friends based on their DNA. The findings were published on the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Okay, so this is fun. Don't take it as... Take it as gospel, people. Uh, it's fun. So the idea, the, what kind of bothers me about this is the idea, in the closing idea here, friendship score. Like, genetically, you two are more likely to be friends, uh, all the while ignoring uh, personality, social backgrounds, etc., etc. Um, so I know one size does not fit all in all of these things, so I shouldn't let that bother me. It kind of does, to be quite honest. However, it is very interesting, very interesting to see the idea that if you applied this to the LeVay personality synthesizer, looking at your yeah, the clock found in the Satanic Witch, um, that, you, you know, LeVay said that you are more likely to be attracted to people on the opposite end of the will than yourself. And if that's true... These scientists seem to at least, on a friendship level, confirm that idea. And it is very nice to see, in 1994, a study that, um, in some measure, validates uh, this really wonderful notion that Dr. LeVay put forth. It, I mean, it's very cool, right? So, thank you very much for sending this in. Uh, you know, obviously there's a lot that goes on. You know, the more and more we add uh, external sense, the more and more our environments influence uh, our natural genetics, uh, the ways that our society and our societal behaviors shift due to technology. Uh, all of this was not around 50 years ago and certainly not in the heightened awareness state that it is now. And so I don't know if moving forward, I, I genuinely think that there's going to be some loss in human interaction, hence those physical cues that we use to connect with people. I think we're not going to rely on, on them as much. And, you know, we may end up just relying on these stupid apps that say, are you DTF? Or, um, it's retarded DNA matching friendship scores uh, as some sort of, you know, way we do this in the future. I don't know. I'm a traditionalist. I like meeting people face to face and having a face to face relationship. That's just me. I dig all you internet friends and all, but <laughs> it's never going to be the same if we don't share a drink. You know what I mean? So, uh, Always keep that in mind. Very interesting, nonetheless, and when you apply it to satanic principles, uh, even more enlightening. So again, thank you very much for submitting this in. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to send me articles. Uh, this next one was the atlanta.cbslocal.com study, Anal Throat Cancers on Rise Among Young Adults. This was uh, posted July 27, and it is by, for the life of me, I cannot find an author. Sorry about that. All right. Uh, according to a new study, anal and throat cancers have increased over the past 35 years in adults younger than 45. Quote, the increase in the incidental, I'm sorry, incidence of oropharyngeal, I think I'm saying that, oropharyngeal, cancer among young men and anal cancer among young women are disturbing because there are no screening programs for early detection of these cancers. Dr. Lorraine Schack, an assistant professor of oncology at the University of Calgary's Coming School of Medicine and co-author on the study, told Health Day. Canadian researchers analyzed data from the Alberta Cancer Registry in order to monitor trends in human papillomavirus. 
papilloma virus, HPV cancers, that were diagnosed between 1975 and 2009. They identified 8,120 cases. Out of the cases the researchers identified, 56% were cervical cancers, while 18% were of oropharyngeal cancers, I still feel like I'm saying that wrong, which is in the back of the mouth or throat. Among most HPV-related cancers occur... I'm sorry, although they occur in people between 55 and 74, researchers found that the greatest percentage increase was among men under 45. The Centers of Disease Control and Prevention recommended that all boys and girls that are 11 or 12 years old should get vaccinated for HPV. The CDC says HPV is the most common sexually transmitted infection. Quote, to have a large impact on the prevention of these HPV-associated cancers, vaccination programs should be considered for males as well as females, as has now been done in Alberta. Dr. Harold Lau, a clinical associate professor of oncology at the University of Calgary and co-author of the study, told Health Day, both oropharyngeal and anal cancers are associated with substantial side effects when treated, therefore... Uh, educational and prevention programs, including the HPV vaccination program, are urgently required. They also found that anal cancers among women has doubled, going from 0.7 to 1.5 for every 100,000 people. Uh, the study was recently published in CMAJ Open. All right, so again, going back to parenting here. As a parent, this actually concerns... I'm, I'm in a monogamous relationship, so I, I don't fucking care. Like, I... <laughs> assuming my wife also who's listening <laughs> is faithful i shouldn't have any issue at all um so i'm not really concerned about us though i, I wouldn't mind getting the shot uh, at all it's not it's not a big deal to me we are however as parents seriously um putting it you know and, and even scheduled an appointment for my son but thinking about you know as soon as possible for my daughter you know the reality is is now, this is so stupid, nowadays, uh, kids at younger and younger ages are texting uh, selfies, they're sending, or I'm sorry, I guess that's sexting, they're sexting on their phones, um, and in fact, there's there's tons of news articles about young kids being labeled as sex offenders and being tried as adults because of the rampant sexting that's happening and some parents are freaking the fuck out about it but we got to realize that we, we you know we live in a world where porn is available at just a few clicks of a mouse for anyone regardless of age so it's no wonder that kids younger and younger are being exposed to sex so it's incredibly important especially for you satanist parents out there it is incredibly important to have a healthy age appropriate and i say that because Age appropriateness varies by maturity level of the individual child, and you as their parent should know what that maturity level is. So maybe it's nine, maybe it's 13, whatever it is for your individual child. You need to have an educated, age-appropriate sexual conversation about uh, not only HPV, but any sexually transmitted disease and sex in general appropriate behavior for internet uh, communications uh, you know what to watch out for from predators for one but also you know how this could impact them later in life it is really really important that you have an open conversation about this with your kids because if you don't if you just leave it to the other kids at school to tell them then they're gonna think it's okay to do that stuff and maybe for your kids it is for mine it's absolutely not okay and i <laughs> i've actually caught so my son has a phone and an ipad and his friends come over and you know sometimes they just sort of lock themselves in the room and they listen to music and they play games and stuff uh i monitor my kids activities from time to time not honestly not not faithfully um and so i i looked on his ipad and on his phone uh and saw that there was porn sites and so I called him, you know, into the front room. I was like, sit down. We need to talk about what I found on your phone and on your iPad. And you need to understand that these are our ground rules. This is inappropriate. You are far too young. That is adult content for adults. You are not an adult, no matter how old you feel. And if I ever see this again, you will lose them. Hands down. And what I really love about technology is that I can 
put a lock on his phone and block content and I can put a lock on his iPad and block content uh, so that you know stuff like that is possible to do if you're a parent and you need to follow through with threats if you threaten them as in I'm going to take this away or you're going to be grounded or you're not going to have TV or whatever it is you need to follow through with that seriously as parents but you need to have those you know appropriate conversations saying look I've already talked to him about sex and everything so he already knows about that but um you your ideas of intimacy and sexuality cannot be informed by porn because those are skewed so much that if that is your sole interaction and sole exposure for how men should treat women sexually or how men treat men sexually or women, you know, the whole fucking gamut of it, it's not real and it's not true. Those are fantasies that those people are, are living and experiencing. You should not go into porn thinking that that's how real couples... Now, I do think that there's some genuine influence uh, on that because we've had it for you know the the last half of my generation i do think it has informed our uh sexual connections with each other and certainly our intimate behaviors but i don't want it to be the starting point for my kids because then what you have is women violently spitting on dick or <laughs> you know like those I hate that, dude. They're like angry at it too. They're like, you dick, you're right. Or they're like yelling at you, you come right now, you know? It's totally unrealistic. <laughs> at least I've never had a relationship like that. I would have a, that would be a horrible sexual encounter if that happened. I would be so upset. Um, I would never have sex with them, at least for a handful of times after that. But, uh, yeah, and like the guys are just so incredibly rude to the women. Like their gentlemanly behavior and decency just goes out the window. And they're smacking them, they're choking them, they're pushing them down. They're, you know, women are just forced to do these horrendous things. And I don't know that kids can differentiate between this is a man or woman being paid to do this behavior or this is how I should treat my girlfriend when I, you know, after we go skating or something. So I want to make sure that they understand those boundaries. And so it's important to have that conversation. And then, you know, conversations about sex and STDs and HPV, which is just crazy spreading, you know. Okay, so this is a springboard here. Um, but anal sex, like this is, it's always been out there. It's prevalent. Uh, I, I think, I feel like it in, in uh, heterosexual relationships, it's becoming much more, common than it was say when i was a kid uh like it was very rare in my circles as a kid maybe i lived in a, just a different place but um there are long-term serious problems that can occur through anal sex and if you start as a kid you're gonna be living in a colostomy bag later in life like you there's genuine problems that occur with that you have to let them know like you have to be open and and explain the stuff and it's gonna be uncomfortable and it's gonna be awkward and it's gonna be weird but if they understand then they're gonna you know go into it if they still do it it's gonna be their decision and they're gonna be the fault but you don't want them to go in ignorantly and mess up their bodies without having ever known better you know it's your job as parents to inform them so do so and if your kids are at the age for a vaccine don't be ignorant. Don't be stupid. Get, give them the vaccine. It doesn't cause autism. We're having recurrence of diseases in parts of the United States of America and around the world because of these irrational parents and their fears. This is bullshit. Don't let it happen to you. Get your kids vaccinated. I don't care what stupid celebrity told you that it was a good idea to remove them from vaccinations they're stupid don't be stupid all right anyway that's going to do it for the infernal informant let's do a little uh yeah let's close this out with a little creature feature shall we and now ladies and gentlemen the creature feature <laughs> All right. Uh, I really enjoy doing these uh, creature features where we just kind of riff 
on movies that we like or music that we like or actually that's down the crossroads i really like that um but so for this creature feature i'm going to be giving you my current favorite devil or satan centric movies and when i say devil or satan i really mean the mythology surrounding them not necessarily a spiritual figure so uh, there's two of them that i can think of and i enjoy them a lot for opposing reasons so you have the Omen, the original Omen. I love this film. I love the the Christian mythology of the Antichrist, of uh, the devil coming back and uh, running uh, and, and taking control of the world. I really have a lot of fun thinking about that. Um, and this movie, for me, did a really, really wonderful job. And actually, the, that whole first series um, did a really wonderful job of, of bringing that that fantasy to life. And so for the, you know, the, the, um, the myth of Satan and Satan's child, the Antichrist, uh, coming to life, uh, evil ruling the world, as it were, I really, really love The Omen. And I could go back and watch it a thousand times, and I've seen it at least a hundred, I think. Literally, like throughout my life, I've, I've seen it a ton. I really, really love that that film. But then I also really like the ideas of evil and hell and um, evil forces uh, indirectly influencing others and then uh, non-manifested evil itself, like the essence of evil attacking and assaulting people because of their their own behaviors, and I, 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 this movie got sort of mixed reviews by people, but drag me to hell. I really like this movie, and I love it because, and it's, I'm not going to go on a full review of the movie. I'm just going to tell you why I enjoy it. Um, I really like this because it it's completely up to the behavior of the individuals. Like it is the reaction, the consequences of their actions which caused this hell, as it were, to be released uh, released onto them, this demon tormenting them, and then ultimately, by the title, dragging them to hell. And it's a different take on it, because it's not like there's this um, outward opposing force trying to take over the world, like in The Omen, and it's not this drop-dead serious, this really is real, and it really is happening take, like The Omen. It's sort of tongue-in-cheek, in the way it approaches it, which for me, I, you just can't get any better. It's it's really wonderful. I like my devil with a little bit of a lisp. <laughs> I just like a little humor involved with it, you know? A, a, a little nod of the fucking hat, a little tip of the hat. Um, Drag Me to the Hell brings it on in spades. And again, it's the reason why these evil forces are coming out are directly because not of, you know, they moved into a house and then, oh, you know, all shit hell is unleashed because they moved into the house. Like, you don't really deserve that. But your bad behavior to uh, others, <laughs> you not willing to help out others. There's a bit of a moral take that I don't appreciate as much, but just the idea that you will be responsible for what happens to you and your behaviors. I really dig that idea. And if you're saying this, you probably dig it too. Uh, and so... That's what unleashes this devil or this demon to torment you and bring you down to hell. And nothing you can do can change it, no matter how much mumbo-jumbo and hocus-pocus that you try to pull out of every white light bag. It doesn't matter, because you're going to go to hell. And it's this, this unseen force that is beyond... It's like this cosmic entity that exists that is doing it. And it's not like, you know, I am a one physical devil and I'm going to come and even though, you know, they do get this essence to manifest in a goat for a really fantastic seance <laughs> scene. And if you haven't seen this movie, you have to see this movie. It's really funny. But, and so that, those two are my two current favorite sort of evil devil, Satan, hell centric movies right now. You always got to love the omen, man. The serious, the, the myth of the devil and the antichrist it's always really great and and taking it seriously is really great but then you have to you've got to go to the other side of it and you got to get the little bit of humor and you got to get the 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 essence of evil as a reaction to to uh you know sort of the consequence of bad behavior people being forced 
to accept responsibility for their actions. I really dig that too. It, it's a lot of fun. So, you know what? Let me know what your favorite evil devil Satan hell show is that you're watching right now or you've seen recently. Uh, shoot me an email, info at ninecentspodcast.com and uh, maybe we'll make a list of these and, and share them out there for everyone. And if you've seen something that I haven't seen or if you have a take on something that's different than mine, you know, it's a great way to sort of uh, riff back and forth on really wonderful movies all about this thing that we love, and that is Evil Devil Rock! <laughs> it's good stuff. All right, well, because the show is going long, I'm going to cut it off there. That is going to do it for another show, and I do hope that you enjoyed it, and I would love to hear from you. Visit the website, 9centspodcast.com, and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit the SatanNet, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, or MySpace page for 9 cents and get updated on weekly topics. Download the show Mondays via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. We're also on Last.fm, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, so look for us there. You can subscribe to 9 Cents via iTunes by searching 9 Cents, and don't forget to leave a rating and or comment. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. And remember that the only way this podcast is going to continue is if you tell a friend, is if you share 9 Cents. Help spread the word. Help build 9 Cents. Let's keep this thing going. Once again, thank you for joining me. And as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell. And until next week, hail Satan! Satan!